Good evening, Patriots. So my voice is a little messed up tonight, but we'll get through the podcast. And for those of you that are great at giving me ideas, I'll just give you a, a little bit here. So I'm on day 10 of a 29-day uh, water fast, essentially water fast. It's, it's, now, it's, a, it's a water fast now with a bunch of other broth and, and fresh ginger and uh, turmeric and a bunch of other stuff blended up into a juice. But um, I, it's really interesting because I, I'm, you know, I've, I really follow... I follow a lot of what Dr. Merritt does, and I, I believe that she really has cracked the code on a lot of what our sickness is, and I, it's parasitic in her opinion. And in her work over this last year, she's been documenting what happens when she goes on and off the anti-parasitic um, regime. So like she's, it, it slowly destroys the parasites in her body, and, it, and about, she does a, two or three day process where you take certain, like ivermectin is one, but it's another one she uses besides ivermectin. And then you go, you will go off that for two weeks and then you start back up. But when she doesn't follow the protocol, like if she goes an extra week, immediately she gets this sort of thing, congestion and a stuffed nose. And what she's theorized is that that is the, new larvae of the parasites in our body spawning and regrowing. So it's really interesting because I think this is probably indicative to everything in our life. I mean, why we get sick, I think it's ultimately parasitic based. And taking this is the, I haven't done a long fast like this for a while, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. And of course, if we're listening to Fochi, they're going to tell you that it's a it's a, some sort of virus floating in the air, but I have been taking a, a drink that I've put together myself and it's just, I've been doing it once a day. And that drink is, you know, fresh turmeric, fresh ginger, fresh garlic, uh, some cayenne pepper, apple cider vinegar, some chaga mushroom powder, lemon juice. And there's probably something in there I missed, but that's basically it blend it up together and then I add that for one part of that to four parts of water and I'm my personal opinion is like what I'm going through right now is like that was that's an anti that's a cleansing drink and I so it's really interesting is I what I personally think is happening is like there's a new flush of parasites that have now decided to make themselves come forward so I'm waging war that was a long introduction about stuff you probably didn't want to know but Anyway, you get that tonight, free of charge, whether you wanted it or not. Patriots, one thing. Oh, by the way, I did add to this a very special touch because I, I do think you can burn these things out. I, I added the, I added the uh, some habanero hot sauce to this mix tonight along with chicken broth. <laughs> That'll light you up. It's awesome. So anyway, Patriots, before we begin... Um, one thing to really pay attention to is your home defense and keeping up your regime and protecting your family and to do so also at a cost-effective measure at this point in time when ammo is so expensive. That's one of the beauties of iTarget Pro. 
you know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. itargetpro.com, an awesome little piece of kit that everyone should have. That way you can sit around your living room, you can put the little target up there when the news comes on, turn the TV on, and you can have some fun. I am in a really incredible situation in my life that I just want to talk about tonight. And that's the situation where, as I have purchased my parents' house, the the whole point of that was to make sure that they would never have to go to a home. And it's an incredible time where the, the house has a basically a complete separate downstairs. And so... Their lifestyle doesn't change, and my lifestyle doesn't change. And something I would never have imagined myself saying, especially in my 20s, that I would be living with my parents at 56, or 50, whenever I am now, 57, I guess. Actually, I'm 58. I can't believe that. I can't even count my own date. And yet, it's one of the most amazing times right now we get along great and um there's a lot of amazing sharing and exchange that goes on i built the garden in the back and now that's it's been a process as we've done more and more building to do it with my dad and my mom's deeply involved in it and i was reflecting the other night as we were sitting around and having dinner and we have dinner almost every anytime i'm there we have dinner together and if i'm fasting i sit with them and pray but it's a, it's one of these things that the first step is the statement that I made that you're here I am at 58 living with my parents. That, that is In our culture, that is seen as a such a black eye. It's like, well, why don't you have your own place? Well, I do, but it's the principle of it is we have a home where this way, if any, my presence there ensures that they will always have someone to take care of them and they will never go to a home. And in this time that we've had, there's a lot of very interesting growth when you're around your parents when you when in the older age. And my dad's 86, my mom's 85. And they're they're in super great health. They they do two to I don't know, probably more like three to five miles a day walking. They go to the Y at least my dad goes twice a week. My mom goes two or three times a week. And when I say go to the Y, like my mom does the aerobics class and my dad goes to the gym. 
and they walk on, if they do the why, they walk on top of it that day as well. So they're just a ball of energies at 85 and 86. Uh, they're naturally, they have never come close to that bioweapon. That's not even a discussion at the house. They've not been sick once in the last three years. We've rejected all, in, all bioweapon injections in general. And it's, so all of that part, there was a big part of this COVID process where while everyone else was fighting families, we were just blessed and thanking God for the family we had together. I say all this to kind of set a context because I think that we take our parents for granted. We talk a lot about children and it's an important and necessary topic, but, but our parents and the elderly get brushed under the rug. I'll often hear it's like, wow, you know, my parents and I don't get along. Then fix it. That would be my first statement. Fix it. My dad and I were separated for 10 years. We had a rift. And it took 10 years before we got back together. And when we did, I moved back to my small town. I took, ended up taking over his business. That was back in 1999. But to get through that process of healing didn't just happen. It took almost a year. And we worked at it. And we were committed to it. And we had to be honest with one another. And we had to go through some difficult times of facing truth side by side, face to face. But when we finally got past those pieces, and there were two people that were willing to come together, my parents are my best friends. I enjoy the conversations. Tonight I'm up at the other property. And even tonight, after the show, like every night, they gave me a call to chat about the show, to chat about just what's going on. We, talk, we engage each other in politics. And, I, and with this, my dad is an avid researcher. And so... I found the other day, just even some of the conversations we were having, which was so amazing. And it was almost like a throwback to, you know, 60 years ago. Because our our meal conversations now, and we'll touch a little bit on politics just because it's the flavor of the day. But the core of our conversations right now are about planting schedules and what we need to do to enhance the growth in the garden, uh, building, you know, building tunnels or building the... Um, the hothouses, design ideas, what's going to make it better for preserving. And these are our whole discussions. And it's an amazing discussion to have and share. And then with this always comes some story. My dad will remember a story just the other day, for example. I was saying, because I'm, I'm going to bring on some goats at the other property uh, by fall. <laughs> And so this jumps into a story of my dad growing up with goats. And with this is this whole wealth of knowledge and wisdom that comes. How they used to milk them, how they set it up, how my granddad milked them, how big a space they had, which was very small. And in this whole process, there's such an amazing exchange at a level that's far beyond words. 
I think what's really sad in our culture is that we grow up expecting to have to re resign ourselves to a retirement home. And with that, there is this whole concept that you have to save so that you can be kicked out of your home and go live in some retirement home so somebody you don't even know takes care of you. And that was the commitment I made when I came back in 2019. That was never going to happen to them. We're missing a big piece here in our culture. There's a war that's been waged on children, but there's equally been a war waged on our elderly. And that war didn't start with COVID. That war started, I can take it back to about 1985, when the rise of this, the whole geriatric care programs in college started. And I've told you this story before, but it's appropriate to retell it tonight. I got my degree in history, social history, actually, at Oregon State University. And in my senior year, there was a guy that had kind of vanished out of the program in the, my junior year. And we had, it was a very good program, by the way. It was at that point in time, it was ranked in the top 10 in the nation. Not today, but then it was. And so there was a guy that was in the program that left and we hadn't, I hadn't seen him. And it was a pretty small group and we had some really good professors. And so I ran into him after one of my classes and there he was and I was like, hey man, what are you doing? He's like, I'm in, I think it's geriatric care, whatever that is, elderly care. So at the time, the name he gave, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what is this? He goes, Scott, it's the new future of wealth. He said, our four other guys and I have already bought a house. We're setting up a home for elderly. This is how we're going to make all the money. Well, that money and that idea is all about taking the money that people have spent their life earning and putting them in a care home, which is hopefully will be good. We don't even know. We've seen the horror shows coming out of COVID. And it's all about sucking out their wealth to somebody else. And it's all is happening because the nuclear family was broken down in the 60s and the 70s. We have an opportunity right now to instill upon our children and to still in our, in our own lives by demonstrating the importance of not walking away from our parents, the importance of not casting them out into these homes. It has nothing to do with money, but has everything to do with preserving the wisdom and continuing the legacy. I, I see the relationship with our parents in a perhaps a little different lens than some. And I know that there's some tried relationships with parents. But I can't tell you how important it is from a walk in life and a walk with life that's centered around Jesus to make that peace and make it work brilliantly. We become a recipient of wisdom and we become a guide to the end. I don't look forward to those days when my parents will pass. And that's ultimately one of those things that will happen. But in the meantime, we have just such an amazing time together, and that time will come. But even sharing that moment is going to be as blessed as the days here. If we don't make this pattern in our lives, and if we don't make the step to make a change, no one else will. Our children won't know it. 
And they, and that's always the amazing thing to me because somehow if we're not modeling, how do we expect our children to be any different? If you haven't heard this song, and as I talk, I'm going to see if I can bring it up. It's an amazing song. It's, uh, and it was, it's so apropos to this. Um, and it's called Cat in the Cradle. And the song tells a story, basically, of what has happened, in my opinion, to our parents. And, and what we've done to them over time. Because it's, it's really pretty powerful. I'm going to go ahead and play it. I want you to hear it if you don't know this song. I, this song I heard when I was young. And it's just one of those songs that just sticks with you, never leaves you. And it probably, I would say, shaped a lot of where I am today. Talking to you, 
that it's been sure nice talking to you and as I hung up the phone it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me my boy was just like me and the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon little boy blue and the man on the moon when you're coming home son I don't It's amazing when you think about the legacy that we leave for our children and when the reputation or the examples that we set and how that ends up mimicking what the future's become. That song I heard when I was young. And I will tell you that the example that I, uh, the example that I had as a father was, as my father laid for me, was impeccable. He never missed a game. He never missed a wrestling match. And that was one of the reasons he became self-employed. It's what put into me to be self-employed. My mother was the same way. But she hated my wrestling matches. She'd always stand on the side. I was afraid of something was going to happen to me. <laughs> but it was a family. And it was always the priority were myself and my brother. We forget that when we're young. And even if our parents weren't there as we wanted them to be, it is still our responsibility to be for them, maybe even when they don't expect us to be or necessarily want us to be. These are values at the core of what made America and what we've long lost. We've cast them aside for a material world. And I ask myself many times for those that are always anxious to get their children put into school, get them into sports programs, keeping them busy so that they can have their time to do their job or their whatever they're doing. And then they're anxious to get their parents out of their lives, to cast them into a home. What is it that we're living for? And that's a question I think that everyone should constantly be asking. What is our purpose here? It's so easy to get wrapped up into ourselves. You know, we get busy going, and, and everybody does. And as our parents age, I'm fortunate with mine, but as our parents age, there is change that comes. Things are not quite as quick as they used to be. Their idioms, their ways of being are, are not necessarily the way I am. But in our immature state, what we'll do is we'll revert back to our younger way. And it's like, oh, I can't wait to get away from them. And what we forget in all of that process is when parents are given the opportunity, they truly love their children. Sadly, in this time, we've arrived at a place where so many families are broken. And I even as I speak here tonight, as I'm reflecting on that part of our reality of world, it's a very painful part of who we are in this modern day. 
our families have become so distorted and confused that we even argue now that a normal family is a transgender something and a transgender something else that self-identifies as whatever. I don't even know what that mess is. I can't relate to it, and I won't. But the whole essence of a family with a parent, a mom, and a dad is at the core of who we are as human beings and in our relationship to God. For those that have a family and you're married, cherish it, pray into it. Biggest strength that you have is to be putting you and your husband's eyes on Christ. I'm not here to give marital advice because I suck in that department. I've had two marriages and both have failed. I own it. God knows I own it. And I put myself before him. And the only, quote, bride that I carry is Christ in my heart at this point in my life. And that's all I intend to until, the, until he calls me otherwise. But I can tell you what doesn't work. And that's one of the blessings. And what doesn't work is when you're pursuing your own thoughts and you're pursuing your own careers and you're pursuing things that are of this world. And I can tell you what does work is when you put on your eyes on Jesus and by doing that you're each drawn closer to him, to each other, through him. I can tell you all about being separated from your father in a really ugly part of my life. I can also tell you how much work it took to heal that and how much reward there was on the other side. Marriages have become like drive through McDonald's, I swear. When things get stressed and people want to dump it and run away. And we're quick to get in them and we're quick to get out of them. My parents are have been married now, I want to say 60-some years. And they are literally a relic in this age. They're an anomaly. And yet, I would eyewitness every single day. And it's amazing to witness. It's after all those years, they still have something new to talk about. They still have something to laugh about. And they truly, truly enjoy each other. That's rare. But it didn't come easy. It was over the years of working and committing to being a parent to my brother and I. We have got to instill in our children as we make this fight to protect them the need to preserve and cherish a relationship with adults and their parents. You know, I grew up with yes sir, no sir. It was, you didn't meet somebody and call them by your name. You called them as Mr. or Mrs. In this culture today, people call that regulated, regulated or military. I call it respect. And all of these values that who I am today is very much at the core of what I witnessed around me with my mom and my dad. And yes, I mean, I, I say it, and I've said it already. I am blessed to have had that experience. But it's a sad thing to witness 
and you look around at how many people don't have a relationship with the Father. And with that, there's going to be some struggles unless they get good, good mentorship. We have a very, a very close friends with a family whose grandson doesn't have a father. And what they have done is they have, the grandfather has stepped in to be that surrogate role for him. It's amazing to watch. It doesn't replace it, but it's important that there's a relationship with it. And so as we start to teach our own children these values, if we aren't exposing them to caring for our parents, of being with our parents, not just this Christmas get-together, Thanksgiving garbage, but literally interacting with them, being with them, taking an effort to, re to locate near them, that's our choice. I didn't have to come back to my hometown. I could leave any time. I won't. Because not only do I love where I live, and not only do I love the conversations I have with my parents literally every day, but I equally love the idea that they will never have to worry about going to a home, that they can stay in their house until the last day, be comfortable in a place they're familiar with, that they've spent 30-plus years in, and be okay with it. We have to be courageous in this time. And we have to change the damage that the others have done to us. And unfortunately, the system has tried to impose upon us. We have to find that way forward that may feel like you're walking against the stream sometimes. But when it comes to parents and family, walk the stream. Go upstream if you have to until you get to the place where you can find some peace. Don't give up because it's easy to give up and give in. Emotions in family are tough, especially if we've had issues in the past. And when you add siblings onto that, things get more complicated. Some families are fortunate because everything works in like a concert. Anymore, that's pretty rare. There are so many people that are cast away in homes. There are so many people that are still so lonely. And it's a sick statement on our culture. But worse than that, it's like a, it is basically like a spiritual imprint on our nation. While we struggle with trying to figure out how to protect children, the elderly are quietly being cast aside and just dying, and too many dying alone. If you think about that as a spiritual stain on a nation, ask yourself what that takes to heal that. It doesn't just heal. These are like echoes over time. Echoes of pain, echoes of loneliness, echoes of sadness. And we have to put a stop to it. We have to make a decision as a collective whole that we're not going to let this happen again. We have to make the decision each day 
to make that change in the world. I'm a unique person in the sense that I enjoy spending alone time. I enjoy that process. Not everybody's like that. And as people get older and they've been left alone and they're, they have no connection to family, that can be very tough. You know, I've said for a long time that if we were to really look at homeschooling, for example, through a different model, we would start reaching into the elderly, the what I call the wisdom class, to help augment the teachings that we do with our kids. We would do it because that way children would start to value the uniqueness, the stories, the things that they'll never get otherwise. Every generation has their own quirks and idioms. Every person has their own strange way of telling things and doing things. And I told the story last night how I learned to bake bread. I learned it from my grandmother because she had me knead the bread that she could no longer knead because her hands were so messed up with arthritis. And she taught me to knead and then to feel. And as she found the feel that was right as I kneaded the bread, she'd have me put my hand on the bread and I would learn. There is so much knowledge. I watched the way my dad innovates things. It's the way he grew up. He told the story the other day that when he had a wizard bicycle, which is a little motorized bicycle, just for fun, he took the engine apart three times and put it back together just to see how it works. We don't even think about doing those things today. When I got my first car, it was a 66 Mustang six-cylinder coupe. The requirement was that I had to do all the work on the car, so I had to learn. I had, to, And that was part of the deal. We don't teach that much today. We get a new car and see if we can get an extended warranty so the kids don't have to worry about it. This isn't nostalgic thinking. It's the transfer of knowledge we're talking about. It's a transfer of where the world was, where it is, and why it's so important never to forget where we came from. We're racing into a future right now. We're being told that by 2050 we're going to have a basically electric car world. That's Elon Musk's latest. I don't vote for that. He's telling us that's what's going to happen. We're not being given a choice or a vote in any of this. Where AI is ramrodded down our throat. A currency is being forced upon us that we don't even want. Agriculture is being sucked up and squeezed off the land so that they can control the food. All of these things we get no vote in. And part of the reason it's happening so fast is because the wisdom class that could have warned us and warned the younger ones of what's coming don't have a voice. Because we didn't do our job to steward them as they got older. This time that we're in is an opportunity, a big one, to change the direction of things. But that doesn't just mean by prayer. It doesn't just mean in your household. It also means in the relationship to your parents and in the extended family. Things have to change.
because if they don't change, we're just going to repeat the same cycle, just like a washing machine over and over, and then ask ourselves why things don't get better. We own this change. We control this change. And ultimately, if we're truly going to be rooted in our faith, we have a responsibility to take care of our parents. It's a lot of my story tonight, but I, I hope it resonates some because it's big choices we have to make at a certain point to decide what's really valuable in our lives. What is important to you? What truly is important to you? And what is it that you want to be thinking about when you get old? And what do you think your parents are thinking about as they age? The change that we need to bring ultimately roots itself in going back to go forward. We have to revive the respect and love for the parents and for our elderly. They're not just elderly. Most of that generation had children question is where are they and why are so many cast away regardless of how when I say this I don't mean this impersonally but there were 400,000 elderly that apparently died in COVID I have yet to hear about one damn funeral we just brushed that one under the rug like a statistic those were people lives history wisdom As I've told you before, the way the Russians were converting Afghanistan to accept communism is that they assigned Spetnaz, their most elite sniper teams, to go kill the elder, the elder class in the villages. Why? Because they were the wisdom. They were the bridge between past and future. They were the stabilizing voice that ensured that the new generation would walk instead of run. We don't have that anymore. If we do, it's rare because we don't value it. We don't value the experience that mom or dad have because it doesn't fit within the new way of doing things that is really the old way of doing things, but we put a different color on the top or we give it a different flavor. And we too often get tired of the stories that they tell of when things were different. Because we want to believe that, oh, that's just your age. We're in a new age now. Or when they warn us of things about a coming disaster or a looming crisis, the arrogance of this time is to say, well, yeah, that's the way you, all, you old people always think. Well, there's probably some wisdom in there we should listen to. I'll tell you firsthand, there always is. And there's a lot of wisdom that needs to be passed on because we need a lot of wisdom right now. They understood something very clearly. That is my parents' generation. Things don't change quickly. Things change with constant and persistent effort. But change begins by starting. We have to begin that change. And we own that as we go forward. Let's pray. Father, 
is blessed to be here tonight. It's a reflection of the parents that we have and we're at whatever station they are in relation to our lives. We just The prayer tonight is just for people to reflect very deeply on the value of our parents. Where the opportunity arises, where there's divisions or rifts, we pray for healing, healing of hearts, healing of unity, healing of respect for one another. Where there's a good relationship, we pray for a greater closeness, to coming, a coming together to really start to share in that wisdom that is very quickly fading off into the sunset. And where there's a closeness and a unity of regular contact, may that be examples for others to see, to inspire others to bring their parents close. We're going to need this, Father, and you know it. You know very clearly that we need to be bringing our families closer together for what's coming. And we also know, sadly, that for those that choose not to get closer with their family, they may be carried, having to carry a, a heart with the burden of regret. Just pray that that awakening in the thoughts and the unrealization of what that will come will strike people to make the change, to make a commitment of change, to tend to our parents as they tended to us. As we were young and they then age, it's the cycle of life that we need to now walk together, not apart. Guide us in these times. Bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, some thoughts to reflect on, to take to prayer. Our parents brought us into this world. Some were great, some were imperfect. But as we've walked our path, we all grow. We all heal. We all get greater in kingdom. When we find that way to bridge past differences and enjoy each other as the sun sets, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. To the deepest end Oh, I wanna feel something